0: Holy Potluck. 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 I'm Brian Hu I'm Ada Singh
1: And welcome to Saturday School
0: When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons You're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history Hey, everyone. Welcome to Saturday School, your Asian-American pop culture history podcast. This season, we're looking at Asian films about the Asian-American experience. And this week, we're talking about the 1995 film Sana Mullet Mui.
1: Directed by Olivia Lamasan.
0: It's another epic love story, this time from the Philippines.
1: Which is a movie about long-distance relationships as a storyline. The way that immigration and being in two countries factors into that. There's a big Filipino website that does critics polls that I'm kind of obsessed with. I, I, I love this website. This year, they did a poll of critics and scholars and filmmakers in the Philippines about the 100 greatest Filipino films directed by Filipino women, hmm. And Sana Malamuli was number 10.
0: Oh, nice.
1: 10 out of 100. It's definitely considered an all-time classic in a contemporary Philippine cinema. And part of it, I think, is the two stars.
0: Leia Salonga and Aga Mulak.
1: Who is a teen idol of his time.
0: And apparently it's the second movie that the two of them star together as a romantic couple. So they realize it works.
1: I think that the love stories are really the enduring ones that narrate this idea of how going abroad can bring people together or pull people apart. It's love, but it's also family. And a lot of these movies are also about family. And the tension sometimes between personal freedom to navigate whatever world you want to go to. And that's part of the imagination of becoming an immigrant. But it's also how things are pulled and pushed via family and romance. And I don't know, there's something also so cinematic about romance.
0: I mean, it's very dangerous for their hearts.
1: It's perilous, right? And all right, so maybe we could start by talking about one of the early scenes of Sana Malit Muli. This guy asks his girlfriend to go to America first. He's going to join her later. And she doesn't really want to go. And this is early scenes, Lea Salonga at the airport, and she is breaking down in front of him. She's like, Don't make me go. Oh, Are you gonna leave me? Are you gonna forget me? Are you gonna write me? Do you love me? Yeah, you love me, babe. And all of these questions which she may not have asked if they just stay together in the Philippines. Suddenly, it becomes so important because this idea of you're crossing a barrier into the unknown. Like 1995, this is before we can Skype each other, and like literally, you don't, you're not going to see somebody anymore. Yeah. So only through phone calls and letters and, and photographs, I get. But like, is that sustainable for love? And it makes total sense that these movies are about love. Then,
0: but I feel like this one stretches it out for years.
1: It's epic. <laughs> And, and then it comes down to, like, which countries do love really well? <laughs> which film industries are built to tell love stories? And obviously India is, and the Philippines is, too. I mean, this is a soap opera country, and a good love story goes a long way.
0: Babes. 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 Really, the whole synopsis of this is, like, yeah, they're having a long-distance relationship, and it's hard, right? Right. I don't know if I would have expected to like be in tears so much. <laughs> <laughs> and actually most of their struggles are very ordinary. Like things that I think most relationships will have to go through is just like elevated. You know what I mean?
1: I think one of those things you're referring to is just like jealousy. Like, we see that in so many rom-coms and that's a fact like in a lot of relationships. But the jealousy of like not being able to show up at somebody's door (laughs) to like see what's really going on or like to not even not be able to do anything about it, to not be able to win somebody back because they're physically not around. You just feel like things can get bad really quickly. And I think that leads to the heaviness of the tears that you're talking about, that you can easily be emotionally catapulted very quickly. Because nobody, nobody has the right to hurt me this way. Hurt
0: I mean, in a sense, this story is all about power dynamics in a couple and navigating a whole new country and also expectations from home.
1: Right. And those expectations from home are related to kind of the economics of a relationship. So, for instance, the guy's mom makes it seem like, no, you should be like your brother who married up.
0: You found a girl whose parents are separated. She just loves you. That's all she does. (laughs) Right. In the beginning, right? She doesn't have any real goals other than to be with him, right?
1: Right. So I think that kind of power dynamic leads her into needing to go to America first. It's sort of like just listening to him. Like she doesn't have the power.
0: We should say she goes there because her mom who left her when she was a kid, actually lives in America. And she's built a nice life for herself in America. She has a new family. But she looks
1: like a classic, she married up. It looks like she married up. And, and in the logic of this film, because multiple characters do this, it means marrying up means marrying a white person in America. <laughs> like, there's, like there's multiple Filipinos who marry white people and it's like celebrated as you married up. His brother married a white woman and then they moved to the United States.
0: Oh, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Like this is a thing in this movie. When
0: she's jealous of him, she's jealous of his female Filipino boss. But when he's jealous of her, he's super jealous of her white boss. Yeah. Who does kind of look like a surfer model.
1: <laughs> the white boss does not look like a real white boss.
0: And he has like a long braid in the
1: back. Yeah, it's, it's not an attractive <laughs> ponytail braid. But it's 1995, maybe that's the... Um
0: But he's very tall. That can be pretty yeah. intimidating.
1: <laughs> but and the transformation of Leia Salonga is really amazing. In yeah. Like, in the I beginning, know. she's like so classically like a pitiful victim of romantic circumstance and then the transformation from that to this like totally independent working woman who just like yells at people on the phone (laughs) and i'm sick and tired of apologizing and explaining my actions to you and she's like compelling as both i mean it's quite a quite a performance and it's also i think ways of thinking about westernization and how she becomes Americanized. And I think part of the threat that she poses to her boyfriend is that is she now economically stable without him, but also that she's Americanized in a way that he's behind. He has not assimilated. He has not time to assimilate. Maybe he doesn't want to assimilate.
0: Yeah. He's really great, too, because it's a really tricky balance.
1: For me, like embodied so much of... I mean, we, we often think about this for immigrant men, Where in their home country, they were successful if they were considered breadwinners. And then when they moved to the United States, they find themselves unable to have the same job. Like they could be a doctor at home. And then when they're in the U.S., they're a dishwasher like he is in this movie. That takes a toll on romantic relationships, like their inability or unwillingness to provide romantically is tied to their newfound realization that they've been emasculated in the professional realm.
0: Yeah, because it's interesting, like, her suffering is very tied to her dependence, right? Whereas his suffering is very tied to male pride. I mean, and, and not to diminish that, because it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But it's tricky. It's a really tricky relationship to watch when one person, you can tell, is going to live a better life in America, and the other one will probably live a better life in the Philippines, and does one want to have to make a sacrifice, right? Yeah that sacrifice will take a toll. One person making a sacrifice is not necessarily the
1: best answer. And I think they both realize it. And I mean, the title of the film, the English translation, is I Wish It Happens Again. Like, like can, can we go back? Speaking of another sentiment from the 90s, can we go back to the way things used to be? <laughs> like this idea that once you cross that ocean, has a boundary, not just a political boundary been breached, but like a boundary in a relationship that can never be crossed again. A threshold that's destroyed and... They either have to find a new way to have a romance or just to accept the fact that what was before was now gone. there's a phone call the end of the film. His dad calls him and says, never forget where you're from. So there's a sense that it's not just inability to reconcile his girlfriend, but that there's something pulling him back that is family, that is nation, that is culture.
0: The dad says, don't forget where you're from. But he also says, think of yourself. Like, don't worry about us. We have each other. You need to go do your thing. So it's both.
1: Well, at the end of the day, like these movies need to be reconciled through characters' agency and their motivations. And that's, that's what we're waiting for. Like, we, we don't really care about the nation when we're watching this movie. We care about his decision. But we know these are things that are all in the back of his head.
0: There's definitely an element of like, if you choose to come back to the Philippines, you failed.
1: Yeah, yeah. You failed as an overseas... You failed in America. There's a whole other thing going on here, which is the OFW issue. This overseas Filipino workers as a whole phenomenon. This is a big cultural issue that people were reckoning with. Like, you go abroad so you can make money and bring back to your family. So if he came back, it would be a signal that he wasn't able to fulfill that.
0: But do you lose yourself in the process in America just to not lose face? Right. Which doesn't seem quite right either. Because when the tables have turned, then suddenly it's her mother that's saying, hey, you should think about this relationship because there are some people who can cut it here and some people who can't. Yeah. I don't think your boyfriend is somebody who can make it here. And... In some ways, it's a criticism, but in some ways, it might be true. And it's not... This movie does not portray America in the best light. Like, you're dealing with horrible people. Like, even Leia Salonga's character is like, look, you're going to be discriminated. You're going to be treated like shit. That's just how it is. And it's like... I guess it's a good thing that you can go through the ringer and come out of it stronger. But there's also an argument made of, like... Why? <laughs> at what cost? At what cost, yeah.
1: At what emotional cost? And I think that's what the mom was also referring to. Like, I don't think he can cut it emotionally. Yeah. What's worth mentioning that in his attempt to try to win her back in the United States, I think he overstays a visa. Like he's there illegally at some point.
0: Among Filipino workers here, there's a distinction between like I'm an immigrant versus I'm here quote unquote illegally, which is how they said it in the 90s. So he's
1: working as a undocumented immigrant in a restaurant. And he sees how all the other undocumented Filipinos are treated so badly by their Filipino boss. Yeah. The other kind of technology of fear that you see is in the beginning, this whole like immigration process is really fascinating. The movie begins with aspiring overseas Filipinos at the U.S. Embassy in the Philippines. Like they're doing their interviews. They're being vetted. And how that whole process is also demoralizing. Your mother left you? Um, yes, sir. When?
0: When, when I was 10 years old.
1: It's a little bit dehumanizing. So that, that's also part of this process that, that they need to cross. And she's able to cross it more easily than he is.
0: Do you know anything really about how we could contextualize Sanamalat Muli, how they portray the Filipino-American experience within the history of the Philippines?
1: Sanamalat Muli is a commercial film. It was made by, I think, Star Cinema, like one of the big studios. It had its big stars in it. So it's not beholden to any kind of national project. But it is speaking to a long standing theme. Most obviously, like the Philippines was a colony of the United States for a long time. So the relationship between the Philippines and the United States, it's always been kind of a strange relationship, a strange and in strange relationship. And then we have also put it in the context of a long tradition of Filipinos moving to the United States as farm workers, as labor.
0: Domestic workers. Yeah. When her character comes here, one of her first jobs is literally like wiping somebody's ass in a senior home.
1: Yeah. More recently, a lot of Filipino workers coming over as nurses. And it's international. It's not just the United States. Government policy has encouraged this because the overseas Filipino workers bring back so much money into the overall economy in the Philippines. Like they bring back money for their families and their families will spend money in the Philippines. So how important it is to have OFWs as part of a national project that requires your people to leave, requires your people to break families up or to at least pull families apart to a breaking point. And in this case, to pull love stories apart to a breaking point. That's sort of the political and economic context of all of this. And Sodom Alamuli is not the only film of this trend. so, and I was doing research for this episode, I noticed that a lot of the biggest actors of their time, so like Vilma Santos, Nora Nord, they were all in these OFW movies that weren't necessarily the United States. Although in 1984, there was a movie called Merica that is of a classic. Um, there's a film called Miss X. Same year as Sanamal Amuli, was a film called The Floor Contemplation Story. I think that's how you pronounce it. And that's about a domestic helper who's in Singapore. Yeah, so it's definitely part of the popular imagination. These stories are like, we all know because either we have our own relative who went abroad or a neighbor or somebody we know who went abroad. And they dream of what these stories are like and the perils, but also the romances and, and also this idea of loyalty. The unknown, which we need. It causes a lot of anxiety and suspense, but we know as a family or as a nation, we need them to be abroad. And those kind of unsettled emotions provide so much drama, especially for a romance.
0: It simmers, right? You feel it simmering, and then suddenly it's like, some it's not like a huge dramatic scene, but it's just sort of like... She says, like, I tried so hard. And you're like, oh, my God, she did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So,
1: But we, could, we should also talk about that, like just how this functions as a romance, just the music and these locations and the acting. And then you have Leah Salonga, who is perfectly cast in this because by 1995, she was already famous for her overseas career. She grew up in the Philippines, so she's sort of like a homegrown talent. But she famously got a role in Miss Saigon. And then by this point, she was the singing voice of Jasmine in Aladdin. Oscars. So already she kind of proved herself as successful as somebody who can assimilate. But people in the Philippines know that she still loves the Philippines, that she still like kind of lives part of the time of the year in the Philippines. So she's not someone they lost. The Philippines is still in her heart and Leah Salonga is still in the heart of the Philippines. And so it's perfect that she's cast in this role. And it just adds to the legend of this movie. And just know, like, my Filipino-American friends, they love her. She's kept herself a part of the Asian-American conversation by being in things like Flower Jump Song, the David Henry Huang version of Flower Jump Song. She was in Allegiance.
0: And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
1: And this year, she's in the film Yellow Rose, directed by Diane Paragas, also about a Filipino-American story. So to the extent that, you know, she's like a a hero of the Philippines, she's equally, if not more, a hero of Asian-America. Yes. I do want to mention that... It is so exciting that we were able to watch this movie in this amazing new restoration. Like, it looked great.
0: Yeah. So it got digitally restored 20 years after the film. So just in 2015, it was restored, and it looks beautiful. And you can just watch it on iTunes or Amazon Prime. It's so easy to get. So you should all watch it if you haven't seen it.
1: We did a project um, at our Spring Showcase in San Diego in April this year where we did a bunch of these new restorations in the Philippines. So ABS-CBN, which is one of the major media conglomerates in the Philippines, they also run a film archive. They oversee a lot of restoration. And the last 10 years or so, they've been killing it. And I mean, what they found is that a lot of these old films are not available anymore to restore. Like the prints are no longer locatable or they're just in such dire shape. Um, but for whatever reason, Son of Muli was, they still had a great copy of it as a starting point to do the restoration. Oh,
0: so lucky for us.
1: And so it's sort of like going through that process of looking at this history of films from the 1970s and 80s and 90s, you realize just how fragile it is that these great films that have defined not just how they have imagined the overseas Filipino, but also these are films that define the nation culturally. Right. How that can disappear with time. And so, I think part of our project with Saturday School has always been to keep these films in the conversation, even if they can only be seen in terrible versions. But in a case like this, where it has been restored and it hasn't looked this good since 1995 when it came out, we should all be grateful and take a look.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good ending. Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck a collective of podcasts that feature stories and voices from the Asian American community it's produced by me and Brian our logo is by Grace Talis Lee our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat check out our website at SaturdaySchoolPodcast.com or you can tweet us I'm at Ada Singh A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G Brian's at Who's Brian H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N and the podcast Twitter handle is Wake Up School. Next week, your assignment is to watch the 1999 film Gen X Cups. Extra credit if you also watch Gen Y Cups. Class
1: dismissed. <laughs>
0: Hey, so you should check out one of our fellow podcast potluck collective shows called Asian Americana by Quincy Sir Smith. It's a narrative podcast that does deep dives into topics like Boba, Claudia Kishi, and maybe something relevant for Lea Salonga fans out there. They have an episode all on Filipino American podcasts where he talks to people like Paula Mardo about her podcast Long Distance, which is truly one of my favorites. It's so well done. And one of my favorite episodes is called Long Distance Love Story. That ex-high school sweethearts turned overseas Filipino workers who reconnect almost 40 years later. Check that out. And check out the Patreons for both Long Distance and Asian Americana. Because it takes a lot of time and effort and resources to do the kind of narrative podcast that they're doing. And we should support them. Alright, see you next week.